it seems obligatory. <laughs> oh, there's already a Bible. Fantastic. Um, the Bible reading is from Luke 24, verses 50 to 53. And if you want to read them in the Church Bibles, it's page 1062. Oh, thank you. First time. 1062. The Ascension. When he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And he stayed continually at the temple, praising God. Amen. Uh, welcome Liz among us and let's pray for her. So Father God we give thank you to you for the ministry of Liz. We give thanks for the words that you have laid upon her heart and we pray that you would speak to us this evening. Amen. Amen. Just hold that one second. Don't go anywhere yet. I just want to move my Bible. <laughs> I'm coming back I promise. Lush, thanks. Oh no, hang on one sec. <laughs> thanks. Oh, I spilt it. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, I've got a tiny bit of coffee left. And not to worry you or anything, but by the time I'm done, it'll be cold. <laughs> so I just thought I'd... <clears throat> Sorry, right, now. Where am I? The Ascension. Right, Sorry. It's been one of those days, we've had a child's birthday today, and it's, it's knocked me off my game, I'm not going to lie. Anywho, right, Kai said, it was Easter, not so long ago. I think he was being a little bit optimistic when he said it was a couple of weeks ago, um, but it was a while back. And uh, since then, in our evening services, we have been following the, the life of Jesus post-resurrection, uh, and we've seen some really exciting things about Jesus. We have seen the resurrection. We've seen uh, Jesus appear to his disciples. Uh, we've seen a miraculous catch of fish. We've seen, what else have we seen? Uh, we've seen Thomas. We've seen Peter reinstated. So you can imagine my excitement as I thought, oh, I haven't been at the evening service in a while. I wonder what gem has been stored up for me. And I opened my Bible like a kid on Christmas Day. And I thought, the ascension, three verses, really? I wait all this time and that's all I get. And he put together the evening things. So I was like, Reese, you have seriously done a number on me. Three verses on the ascension. How rubbish is that? Because it's not very inspiring, is it? Shall we be honest? Okay. Um, <laughs> taxi for Reese. Um, but, no, so, uh, I don't know. We don't really talk about the ascension very much, do we? I mean, and other people do. Um, in certain corners of the Anglican church, they do people who are better. Uh, than us do. If you're part of the Catholic denomination, they go in for Ascension Day. 
in a massive way. Did you know, and maybe we should uh, go into for Ascension only on this basis, but in most of Europe, Ascension Day is an extra bank holiday. I know, that's how big it is. We should go for that. But according to Luke, as we just read, you would be forgiven for reading Luke's gospel and thinking the Ascension was not all that important. Again, with the three verses. The whole thing in three verses. But those three verses, believe it or not, despite my rambling, are really actually quite important. Because the ascension is actually as central to our faith as the death and the resurrection of Jesus. It kind of all makes sense when the ascension comes. Now, bear with me one moment. Have you ever played peekaboo with a child a baby yeah you know the game where you you hide behind something or you cover them over with a sounds awful you you cover their heads with a towel um and then you leave it a second or two you whip it away and you go boo and they giggle without fail they giggle and you can do it again and again and again and again and again and again and they laugh every single time babies do not tire of this game The reason babies do not tire of this game, and I'm so tempted to ask the little gaggle of trainee psychologists over here why babies don't, (laughs) but I'm not going to, it's okay. Babies love peekaboo for um, a thing called object permanence, okay? And up until uh, babies are about nine months old, if they cannot see something, it literally does not exist. Okay, so this brings a whole new dimension to the game of peekaboo. Because to the baby, when you're playing peekaboo, you are the best magician in the world. You are this grown-up who is able to magically make themselves disappear and reappear again. You've got to take it while you can, though, because eventually they hit about nine months. And you stop being an amazing magician, you become the ridiculous adult hiding behind the sofa. Why am I telling you this? I'm telling you this because I think that if we don't actually take the ascension seriously, we are in in danger of treating Jesus like babies treat the peekabooing adult. That we're kind of a little bit in danger of going, well, Jesus was here and then he vanished. And then one day he's going to magically reappear again. But of course, Jesus hasn't vanished. Scripture tells us that Jesus just didn't vanish into thin air. Jesus has ascended into heaven. Jesus has now taken his rightful place at the right hand of the Father. Everything back in the heavenly realm is once again as it should be. Because Jesus is there. And so the ascension is really, really important. And I think it's important probably for, well, probably for more reasons than I'm about to tell you. But I think it's important because um, it reminds us of Jesus's atonement. You see, Jesus, Jesus has been Jesus. Jesus has died. Jesus has been resurrected And at this point, Jesus has been knocking around uh, for 40 days or so. He's gone back with his disciples. They've traveled together. They've seen some amazing things. And now they've gone out to Bethany on the side of the Mount of Olives. And Jesus stands 
in front of them. And he raises his hands and he blesses them. Believe it or not, Jesus wandered around a lot in his ministry, blessing loads of different people. But this is the first time, right as he's coming to the end of his earthly ministry, this is the first time that we see him give a blessing like this. This is the first time that we see him raise his hands and give like, for want of a better phrase, like a collective blessing. It sounds odd, but it's true, I promise. And uh, what he's doing is giving a priestly blessing. This does not work with coffee. One second. Oh, I love you. Thanks. <laughs> right, I've got my hands free now. So he's giving, what he's doing is giving a priestly um, blessing. If you scoop back to Leviticus... Um, I'm not quite sure where. If you scoot back to Leviticus, um, we see Aaron, the high priest, do it. And basically what happens is the people come together and in order to be forgiven, they have to make sacrifices to God. So they make sacrifices to God um, and Aaron, as the high priest, then comes before the people. He tells them that the sacrifices have been made. He reassures them of uh, of God's forgiveness. And then he stretches out his hands to the people and he proclaims God's blessing upon them. It's kind of all part of the forgiveness process, if you want. The blessing wasn't optional. Um, it, like I say, it was part, it almost closed the circle. You sinned, you made your sacrifice, you got your forgiveness, you got your blessing. And, you know, it goes round in one big circle, doesn't it? Um, And yet, so here we have Jesus giving the blessing of the high priest. It's weird. Not weird, maybe a bit odd, maybe a bit unexpected from what we would imagine Jesus would do. Like I say, Jesus has gone all through his ministry blessing loads of people. The little children came to him. What did he do? He lays hands on them and he blesses them. He sees people all over and he heals them and stuff like that. What does he do? He lays hands on them and he does it. And yet here he doesn't lay hands on them. He stands and he blesses them all in one go together. These are people who are his friends. He knows. Jesus knows he's on his way to heaven. He knows that he's not coming back in another couple of days. He doesn't go round to his friends and shake their hands or give them a hug and say, it's been good fun, I'm going to see you on the other side. There's nothing individual about this. He gives the priestly blessing. Why? Well, I think he does it because this is now Jesus' moment. We've all sinned. And the sacrifice has been made. Jesus has made the sacrifice. His flesh, his blood. And as he stands before them, He kind of, for want of a better phrase, he can close the circle. He can stand there and reassure them of their forgiveness. And as as their one true high priest can bless them. There is one. uh, As Jesus stands there and he blesses them in the same way that Aaron blessed people. There is one small yet incredibly significant difference. Not least the fact that Jesus is the sacrifice, but 
a smaller difference. Do you notice Aaron uses words to bless the people? Jesus does the whole thing without saying a single word. Another reason to complain about these three verses, I might add. Because here, Jesus no longer needs words. When Aaron pronounces the blessing upon people, he has to tell them that the sacrifice has been made. Jesus needs no such words. Jesus stands before them. He is the sacrifice. He doesn't need to tell them that the sacrifice has been made because the moment he pulls up his arms to bless them, they can see the wounds of sacrifice on his hands. He doesn't need words. When Aaron outstretches his hands, he proclaims God's blessing upon the people. Jesus doesn't need to proclaim God's blessing on the people. Because Jesus stands among them. He doesn't proclaim the blessing. He is the blessing. And he stands before them as that reminder that they are forgiven. That he has paid the sacrifice once and for all. I have to fiddle, sorry. Um, Have you ever wondered... Why we say blessing at the end of every church, well, most church services we come to. It's a reminder of the ascension blessing. It's a reminder that as we go out, we go out with God's continual blessing upon us. It's not just some kind of pat on the head that we get from Jesus. It's nice to have been with you. Off you go. It's that reminder that the blessing of God goes with us wherever we go. I am one of the least observant people that you will come across. Um, I sometimes think I wander around with my eyes closed because I did not know this until this week. If you have a little butcher's at the window behind me, the red bit in the middle, can you, can you see where I am? Yeah? Is, am I stood in the way? Can you get it? I don't know if you can. Ooh, nearly. It's kind of like, it's kind of right in the middle. No. Oh, how cool would that have been? Thank you for trying. But you can, it kind of shows out because you can see the red in the middle. But it's, it's the ascension. It's Jesus with his hands up blessing us as a church. I'm so sorry. (laughs) I'm so getting salt in my coffee tomorrow. Um, Because the thing is, Jesus raises his hands to bless the people as he is ascending into heaven, right? This is not a blessing, now I'm done. I don't know know if Jesus had pockets, but, you know, put my hands in my pockets, now I'm off to heaven. Jesus is blessing us, he's blessing his people, he's blessing our church as he goes into heaven. His hands are still there. He is still pouring out his continual blessing upon us. The ascension reminds us of the atonement that Jesus made on our behalf. 
And it reminds us that we are continually being blessed by God, that he continually pours out his blessing upon us. We're reminded in the ascension that God pours out his blessing upon us and in, in such a way that we are never alone. I'm moving on from three verses, I'm sorry, but in Matthew's gospel, there are more words just before Jesus proclaims this wordless blessing. He says to the disciples, remember, I am with you. I am with you till the end of the age. And then he pours out his blessing upon them as he goes to heaven. I mean, my goodness, is that not comforting? Is that not good to think that wherever we are, wherever we go, Jesus ascended into heaven, pouring his blessing out upon us, and he continues to do that. So what are the disciples' kind of reaction to all this? Well, I don't like a pity party. I will tell you this. I don't really go in for it. But if there was ever a moment in time when the disciples were allowed to feel a little bit sorry for themselves and a little bit miserable... I'm going to go and say that the ascension would have been it. Do you know they have given the last three and a half years or so of their lives to Jesus? With the exception of a scary couple of days over Easter, they have spent every day with Jesus. They have dedicated their lives to him. He has taught them. He has challenged them. He's inspired them. He's changed them into completely different people that they were before they met him. And now he's going. Now he's going back to take his place in heaven. And this isn't a, a, a you know, this isn't a, um, I'm going to come back in the next three days. This time the goodbye is for real. As Jesus ascends into heaven, the disciples by right should have been miserable. You know, I hate being away from my family. I don't know what, what you are like. I like the idea of being away from my family. You know, they drive me nuts. I want to murder them most of the time. But when I'm away from them, it's terrible. I'm rubbish at it because I love them. And I belong with them and they belong with me. And I'm, I, yeah, I'm not very good when I'm away from them. The disciples by rights should have been miserable. And yet the opposite is true. We're told. What are we told? We are told uh, he was taken up into heaven. Then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continually at the temple praising God. And I thought about this for a minute. And I thought, you know what? Why wouldn't they praise God? They had tons of reasons to praise because of the ascension. You know, first off, kind of, Jesus had just blessed them. That's kind of special, isn't it? Um, but other than that, Jesus had given them a job to do. He'd given them this brilliant job to do. Again, in Matthew's gospel, he gives them the uh, great commission. He says to them, go and... He says some words that basically means... <laughs> Go and tell everybody. Go and spread the gospel. I'm so 
I'm so sorry. Anyway, he says, go and take them. And that's an amazing job, isn't it? Jesus has just charged them with go and tell everybody about me. And it's probably terrifying as what's it's, but it's exciting at the same time, isn't it? You know, fear and excitement are, are two sides of the same coin. Hey, so they're excited because they've got a job to do. They have um, every reason to praise God because he's just promised them the Holy Spirit. These guys are excited because they're about to get filled with the Holy Spirit. In both Matthew's Gospel and in Luke's Gospel, if we'd read just the bit before today's three verses, we would have seen that Jesus promises them the helper. He says, I've got this massive job to you to do, he says, but don't worry, I'm sending you a helper, I'm sending you the Holy Spirit. They're excited and they want to praise God because they know what's coming. They're about to have this amazing encounter with the Holy Spirit. They're praising God because they have the promise of Jesus' imminent return. They know that Jesus is going up into heaven, but the ascension has given for them uh, a confirmation that Jesus is everything that he said he was. And this is amazing. He's promised them the Holy Spirit to help them with this immense job that they've got. And he says, and by the way, I am coming back. Don't worry, he says, I'm coming back. In Acts, in um, the book of Acts, the angels tell the disciples that Jesus is going to come back to them in the same way that they've seen him ascend. All those promises hold for us too. Because of the ascension blessing, we are blessed by Jesus continually. We have this immense task. We share in the task of the disciples of sharing the love of Jesus with those that we meet. But we also have the promise of the Holy Spirit. And we know that Jesus is coming back. And when you know those three things, then it doesn't matter what is going on in your life, you have always got a reason to praise God. Always. Now, it doesn't mean that our lives are one minute, uh, you know, a happy-go-lucky party forever. But it means that Jesus is always worthy of our praise. And finally, they, they go and they praise God. And they do this. Why do they do this? I've got to have a look. They do this because as Jesus ascends into heaven, it is the next step in him being exalted on high. As Jesus ascends into heaven, as he takes his rightful place with the Father, Jesus is exalted above all things. Jesus is exalted, name above all names, just as he should be. And that is a reason to praise and worship him. Always. As Jesus ascends into heaven, pouring out his blessing upon us, so he is exalted. And when Jesus is exalted, when his name is praised, then we have, an, then we have, then we have a reason to praise. And it shouldn't just be a reason. All this should cause, all this knowledge should cause the praise to just kind of bubble up out of us. When Jesus is rightfully exalted in his place in heaven, 
then everything on earth and beyond should cry out in praise. Because Jesus truly is above all other names. And so tonight, as I, as I come into land, I promise, I just want to pray. I want to pray that we would be uh, reminded by the ascension of Jesus. That the ascension of Jesus reminds us of his one sufficient sacrifice for the forgiveness of our sins and the forgiveness of the sins of the whole world. I want to pray that hands out, arms out, we would receive his blessing and the assurance of his presence with us. And I pray that in receiving his blessing, it would overflow out of us into praise. So that everything we do with all our being might just bring praise and glory and honour and worship to his name. Because Jesus is the name that is above all names. He is our saviour. And he is our Lord above all lords. Amen.